Good morning. Welcome. Uh, this is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and I've got Mark Fronmeyer from Arkimoto. And for those not familiar with Arkimoto, uh, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure thing. Sure thing. Well, Joe, hey, thanks uh, again for having me on the program. Um, Arkimoto is a, an ultra-efficient electric vehicle company based out of Oregon. Uh, we're publicly traded on NASDAQ under the ticker FUV for fun utility vehicle. And that's actually the name of our, our flagship product. It's, uh, we have really looked at how people transport themselves on a regular basis, how people use cars, and we're building a much more efficient, much smaller footprint solution for the typical trips that people take on a regular basis. And that, that covers the range from uh, everyday driving, going to the grocery store, going to work, uh, going out with a friend, uh, to fleet applications like emergency response, uh, campus security, and last mile delivery. Uh, so our, our first three products are all based on the same new electric, uh, electromechanical vehicle platform. It's a three-wheeler, two wheels in front, one wheel in back, uh, dual motor front wheel drive. So it's, it's, it's about the size of a big touring motorcycle, but you have a roof overhead, you have uh, comfortable seats, it's a stable platform. And so it's really designed to be the, the, in the efficiency class, in the weight class of, of much more efficient, lighter weight vehicles, uh, yet still serve the needs of the everyday driver. So do you need a driver's license or a motorcycle uh, license? It is, it is classed as a motorcycle, as a federal classification, but nearly every state in the country now, I think 49 states, have some kind of a carve-out that let you use a, a, a regular driver's license with certain kinds of three-wheeled vehicles. Whether the Arkhamotor fits in those categories depends on how those rules are written. Uh, but as of, as of our last survey, uh, in 45 states, you, you don't need to wear a helmet in the vehicle uh, as long as you're of a certain age. In 19 states, you can drive it with just a normal driver's license, including uh, our key early markets in Oregon and California. Okay. And then competition, can you tell us a little bit about where you guys fit in? Well, it's a, it's a, a, a big question. Um, in the competitive landscape, you can sort of think of anyone who's making an on-road vehicle for uh, for daily driving is in, in some way in the competitive landscape. Uh, and and our, we have a, a, a different go-to-market business model than is typical of vehicle companies. So where the way that we're envisioning that uh, new drivers are going to get an experience of the vehicle is through rental operations in destination markets initially. Um, so so in, the, in, in terms of competition, there, there is competition for rentals, and then there is competition for daily driving, the, the, sort of the consumer version. Um, and I would say that on the, you know, within the competitive landscape sort of adjacent market products, uh, we, we sort of fit somewhere in between uh, the, the motorcycle market and the car market. And so on the more motorcycle side, you'd have products like the Can-Am Spider, uh, and on the car side, you'd have products like the Smart Car. Um, but really, it's, 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 it's sort of its own beast. Um, it, 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 uh, it, it straddles different use cases in a way that, that not many, if any other products do. 
So where do you um, where do you shine? You know, what, what's the low hanging fruit in terms of uses? Well, uh, it's it is an incredibly fun vehicle to drive, and it's it's not you know cars and uh, when people talk about fun cars, they're usually talking about driving very fast. With the fun utility vehicle, it's sort of like zero to fun immediately. So. It's, it's got very torquey response. It's very nimble on the road. And so you're just normal driving around town trips are, are very fun. So if you're living in uh, an area where you have lots of traffic congestion, it, it maneuvers very easily through traffic. Uh, it, it saves you time when you're going across town. There's actually a, an article uh, on Yahoo Finance a while back saying, you know, this vehicle makes New York driving fun. Uh, and we were just in Manhattan on, on a road show, and it, it, you really realize pretty quickly that you're pretty much one of the only drivers on the road who is enjoying him or herself when you're, when you're driving around. So the, the typical use case, I think, is going to be uh, just everyday trips, but where we see a, a big okay. in live and then, so, so who are your customers? You mentioned a couple of things, selling it and, and renting it. Yeah, so, well, the, the customers for rentals would be anyone who is on vacation in a, a, a vacation destination or at a conference. So, say, uh, Las Vegas on the Strip to Hawaii on the beach, you have a, a, a multitude of different in rent. It could be – you could – Sigu for a half a day for a couple hundred bucks. You can rent a Polaris on the uh, slingshot on the van strip for a hundred bucks an hour. Uh, and so we see th- this vehicle as uh, competing very well in that particular market. Um, but then you know, our, our customers typically fall inside of early adopter electric vehicle states. Uh, so the, the you know, Oregon, Washington, California, across the Sun Belt, New York, New Jersey, uh, and it, our, our demographic tilts male, kind of male in the ages of 35 to 55 are probably the peak of the market. Uh, but really, it's, uh, when, you, when you sit in the vehicle and when you, when you drive around and you see how people respond to it, it it's really, it's everyone. It's hard to pick a, a particular um, segment of the customer base that's more enthusiastic than another. And then in terms of the rentals, is that something that you're going to set up yourself or are you going to set up to people in business already in the rental business? Both. So our, we plan to open our own company-owned rental stores, uh, and then we're also franchising rentals. So where, where a typical vehicle enterprise would franchise dealerships and sales, we don't. We're, we are franchising the, the rental side of the business. We actually just signed – uh, our first franchise rental agreement with uh, a group out of Key West uh, in Florida. And I'm actually in Miami right now getting ready to make the delivery of their first two vehicles uh, in Key West tomorrow. Okay. And so you, you've been doing this a while from my reading. And uh, where are you in the, in the history now? Where are you in this process? We, we just launched production and delivery of our retail vehicles off of our automated production system and assembly line. So September 19th of this year, 
which was actually 12 years to the day after I got started on Arkimoto. 12 years to the day, we handed over the keys to our very first retail production Arkimoto vehicles uh, to, to real customers. Um, so we are now in the pro we're, we're building at a rate of basically one a day. We have a four-day build week, so for a week. And the plan is to step that up on, on a measured basis. So every vehicle program, every brand new vehicle program and platform that comes into the market, you expect that there are always going to be hiccups and snags when you're getting started. And that's why we have a very measured pace coming out the gates. Uh, and then uh, we, we plan within the next 12, well, really 10 to 16 months, we plan to step up to 200 vehicles per week, which is a build rate of 10,000 vehicles per year. Okay. Uh, so are, are you building these yourself or are you outsourcing? We're, we, we, we have our we, – we actually went public in 2017 largely in order to build out the factory and finalize the product. So we have our own factory uh, in Eugene, Oregon, which is where we're headquartered, uh, and we have automated part manufacturing and uh, an assembly line uh, all under one roof. Okay. And so are, is, are these parts all proprietary or are a lot of them off the shelf? No. No, what, 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 is, what is proprietary is what is unique about the vehicle, so the, the chassis, the frame, the suspension components. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts and wheels and tires and brakes and hoses and all of the sort of standard automotive components, those we're sourcing. Okay. And then in terms of capacity, you said you're going to be up to 10,000. Um, is that total capacity for your factory? or? We, we believe that the facility, the, the square footage we have today has a maximum capacity right around 10,000 units, and that, that's sort of for the full vehicle. So certain elements of the production system, for example, our, our, our tube and sheet laser, we believe can cut about 25,000 vehicles worth of metal every year, uh, but we would need more assembly space to actually assemble that many vehicles. Okay. And so in terms of growth, what's the, the biggest gating factor? The biggest gating factor in terms of growth? Well, it's, No, in terms of per, inhibiting growth. You know, what, inhibiting what's stopping growth. you from growing I, faster? Well, I think right now the, we, we want to make sure that the vehicles that we, the early vehicles that we put on the road, that we get good long-term data from and that we have very happy early customers so right now, the, the challenges of growth include uh, building out our service area network. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the challenges to growth are – there are a multitude of challenges to growth is the short answer to the question. It's everything okay. from building out our in-market experience, uh, getting – making sure that we have service in all the areas that we go into market, uh, magnifying the sales pipeline, making sure that we have very happy early customers and that those help build the market going forward. But really, the, we, we are self-limited in terms of growth today simply because we want to make sure that we have a very good vehicle experience uh, going out the door to our early customers, and we want to make sure that we have some real longitudinal data with uh, small fleet deployment before we go crank out thousands and thousands and thousands of vehicles. Yeah, so I'd ask you, you know, some drivers of this, but it sounds like 
you have, you know, if you can build it, you can sell it, right? And it's just about doing it methodically so you don't grow yourself out of business. Yeah, Is that pretty the, much well, the case? The, 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 and, and I'd love to, where, where are you located, Joe? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. I would love at some point to get you in the driver's seat to actually experience it for yourself. But the, the, the response that we have had from everyone who has driven the vehicle and from just tons and tons and tons of passers-by is so incredibly positive um, that we have a high degree of confidence in the sales tractability of the product. Uh, the, the, real, the real challenge that we see is getting and this is really the challenge in front of us for the foreseeable future, is one, uh, increasing volume of production, and then two, driving down costs of, of the vehicle as we get to higher scale. And how do people hear about you? Well, there's there, there, one way, now that we actually have production vehicles in the market, we actually call it parketing. If you just see it parked, it, it, it draws an inordinate amount of attention, uh, both parked and on the road. And then we, we do uh, most of our awareness otherwise is online. So we do videos on social media, uh, and those have, uh, end up getting very wide reach. Okay. And so how do we make money? What's the revenue model look like? Well, today there are two pieces to that equation. One is uh, – actual vehicle sales. So we build it, you buy it, uh, and then we go build another one and sell another one. And then the rental model is where we build a vehicle once and then generate recurring revenue from it uh, throughout the vehicle's life. And then the uh, franchise component as well, Yeah, correct? And, so, and, and that, that rental model carries with it a franchise component. Uh, so franchisees pay a franchise fee, they buy vehicles, and then they pay a portion of the top-line revenue going forward. I, I would say that there are, there are additional options down the road. I mean, when we, when we look at how to enter, for example, how to enter other overseas markets, some of those deals may include a licensing component, you know, rather than us going in and building wholly owned subsidiaries, we could license technologies, license the brand, license the business model, and so on. So that, but, but that's something that is, that is, a little bit more nebulous than what we have put forward today, which is just the vehicle production and sales model and then rental and rental franchising. I see. And then uh, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but are, are you just selling retail or, or are you doing fleet sales in specific uh, verticals? So we, we announced two additional products this year. Uh, one is called the Rapid Responder, which is designed for emergency services, law enforcement, campus security and the like. And it's, that one is really just uh, an FUV with uh, blinky lights and uh, more powerful horn and siren. Um, and that, that is designed to take those benefits of maneuverability and ease of getting through traffic and bring them to literally to help save lives. Uh, the second fleet product that we announced this year is called the Deliberator and it gets rid of the second seat of the vehicle and opens up about 20 cubic feet in total of storage on the platform. And we think that is going to be a very good solution for the next generation of delivery. So as you, as you look at food delivery 
that's expected to grow from a $30 billion market to a $350 billion market in a decade, driven by uh, apps like Uber Eats and Grubhub. Uh, that, that, the Deliberator product is really targeted at helping those types of trips, uh, parcel delivery, food delivery, meal delivery, uh, as, as those business models are evolving, we think that, that this platform is going to be a, a, a very viable delivery platform for all, all sorts of different applications. So you mentioned a couple new products. Are, are there any other upcoming events uh, or, or catalysts that we should look for over the next year? Uh, well, I, the, the, the key milestone, I mean, we're, we're, we have announced uh, rental planned rental operations you you could expect that those will will be opening and functional and proving out uh, in relatively short order uh, we have talked about uh, getting more vehicles into the hands of more customers I think that's those are uh, you know delivery growth and scaling are also important indicators and then the, over the long haul we see this platform as being an optimal platform for daily autonomy. So uh, the, the self-driving fleet of the future where you hit a button and a vehicle shows up and takes you where you want to go, if you look at ride share, ride share is 85% just one passenger. Taxis, Uber, Lyft, the, you know, all, all of the, uh, the, the sort of app-based ride share is one person traveling alone with a relatively small amount of stuff. And so we believe this platform for that autonomous uh, road of the future is actually a really good platform uh, for self-driving. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to summon a seven-passenger vehicle to take you by yourself where you want to go. Uh, so, so those would be those. Those are all uh, elements that we're working on going forward. Very good. Well, you, you really can't get the get the the flavor of it by just talking, I, I recommend people go on the website and, and take a, a look at the video so they can actually see what we're talking about. Um, I, I thank you for, uh, for sharing the story. Very interesting, and uh, we'll keep it posted. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Joe, really appreciate you having me on the program, and uh, looking forward to it. Let's, let's get you, you behind the handlebars sooner rather than later. You got it.